ready and hey. inspiring teachers. Inspiring teachers. That's our how-to. You're listening to Value Add Value. Inspiring teachers. Inspiring teachers. That's our how-to. That's our how-to. You're listening to Value Add Value. Get it. Go. Value. Value. Value adds value. Now can I just chop it off the dome? Value adds value. We add value to add value. No matter what you do, let it value. It appreciates, never depreciates. Everything you do, you're going to appreciate. Because I'm here with my boy, Mr. B. Freestyling, that's what I used to be. That's what I still do. That's what I still do. Everybody know that's what we still get. Why we still get, that's the reason why we teach. Even though I like to be chilling on the beach, there's some kids in class that I really gotta reach. I gotta give them what they want, but really what they need. They need to learn how to write and also how to read. Cause I know they're gonna be kings and queens. So we need to help them and that's what we about to. You're listening to Value Adds Value. Inspiring teachers, Yep, that's the how to. Value adds value. Inspiring teachers. Inspiring teachers. That's a how-to. You're listening to value adds value. Inspiring teachers. Inspiring teachers. That's a how-to. How-to. You're listening to value adds value. Inspiring teachers. Inspiring teachers. That's a how-to. That's a how-to. You're listening to value adds value. All right, y'all. Welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast uh, brought to you by Lighthouse Educator Development. My name is Kyle Krieger. Super excited for our guests on this episode. Um, and I'm going to let you tell a little bit of the backstory of how we got connected. But we got uh, Donovan Smalls on the uh, podcast. Donovan, thanks for taking some time, man. Yeah, thank you. So we were just talking. Uh, we got connected because I saw an Instagram post from a friend, CJ Reynolds, uh, yeah. talking about you as an educator. So, so why don't you tell a little bit of story, uh, getting started about how you're connected to CJ? Man, uh so long such a great guy um so he was my ninth grade teacher uh back at a school that i now i am officially a teacher there so it's just that group on top of that and he really was that one teacher who just believed in you you know like he would come to you whenever even if he could read it on your face where if you were somebody to talk to still to this day like he'll write me and say how was your job going you know is there anything you know um, if you're going through anything, like, let me know. Um, he's just been that guy that I need because it was even more than in the classroom. It just became an outside inspiration. So to me, he really was that person that was a teacher that was really connected with the outside world as, as well. Okay, what are we doing in the classroom? Okay, the bell's rung. I'm done with you. It's just like, okay, how's home life? What are you doing now? What could you be doing? How could we intertwine, you know, what you're doing in the outside, on the outside world, inside the classroom, and embed that and make it realistic. So, you know, ever since ninth grade, you know, even my senior high school, which is something I all is that I was trying to produce a play, you know, school, which I um, got my master's and everything in. Mm-hmm. So... He had me really just do a performing arts play, but I needed a teacher to back it. So he was that teacher that backed it, and I ended up being able to. I was a I was a student, but I was running my own class, and it was like my senior wow. year. I was running my own class, and Reynolds was just in the back doing the grades. He was chucking the grades, but the students were listening to me. I I had wrote the play myself, and I just wanted it to be produced. And I was working hard trying to find teachers who would help me do that. So right. senior year. They gave me my own class, and Reynolds was that teacher that was in there, and I was working with some of my senior students and everything like that. 
And I remember, I remember when we, when the show, um, Reynolds had made these lockers that when we uh, started to perform, they were still wet didn't give us enough time so we were trying to rush to get everything done but just to see the play come full circle it was something right. that I'll never forget like he always pushed the element he was like Smalls they gave me a class and they wanted us to do the performance and I was like what my own class senior year let's do it so those are the, some of the things that I remember about him and then even still when I would go to college he came to my high school he came to my college graduation when I graduated from Rutgers so it was just like he still wanted to be a part of those big events in my life and that's what you need as far as like teachers you want them to co connect when you graduate you want to be like okay you know forget me you got me this far it's like how are you doing now I don't teach you now but what have you learned from me that helped you be that better person that you are today? And that's honestly what Reynolds was to me. Yeah. I got so, oh man, there's so many questions. I, I think <laughs> just from that little interaction, but I do want to come back. What is it, what's the experience like of, of going back now, having come through that school and, and being on the other side of the lens? Cause I, I'm just so intrigued by that. Cause I, I grew up small town, Wisconsin. So, you know, like, very sheltered, very, very, you know, like small town, like you had to go 20 miles to get to the next town kind of thing. So I'm always really interested, but I taught in Houston and I'm mm -hmm. interested in that, but I'm interested in, like you said, in your story, especially like in a place like Camden, you know, as about as urban as America gets. Yeah. Having the experience of coming through there. So like what drew you back there? And, and what has that experience been like? So I've always been big on making an impact. I knew, you know, like if you got a legacy, it comes with an impact. You want to impact as many kids or do something that you'll be remembered by. And I always wanted to give back to my community because when you talk about Camden, you don't see that many people giving back to their community. They want to rise above it and move out and never think about Camden again. You know, you don't have those people trying to come back and help the youth that are there. And when I was given the opportunity, because when I got out of college, you know, uh, they came up to me and they were like, hey, do you want to come back to the school? We got a theater program. We want you to run it. And I was like, okay, cool. This would be a great way for me to give back. But then when you go back, it's a lot of times when you're on the other side, you don't see everything that goes on behind the scenes. So it's like I was dealing with different things that I wasn't used to on the other side. So it's like all the teachers that I knew had a different type of personality once they saw that I was, you know, not necessarily same a lot of times the teachers will think of you like the student that they once had and not like the adult that now they are having the chance to get to know or, or grow with as a coworker. So to me, that was the most challenging part. Um, and then seeing a lot of things that, you know, you wish were different. You know, we shouldn't be pushing out the same thing that we were doing back when I was in school. There needs to be a different yeah. routine, a different element. So when you go back and people see you pushing those elements, they start to resist. They're like, okay, cool. We've been doing the same thing forever. What does it look like you coming here trying to change up stuff just because you feel like it's different? And I'm like, listen, I'm an alumni. I went here. I understand the differences and things that should be done in a different manner to make the school excel. And I sat in these classrooms. So the information I took from middle school and high school, I took on to college. So I should be able to come back and make necessary changes or at least try to see what we can be doing because I was that reflection of the school. You know, I was that, I was that student that was in that classroom. So whatever I became, 
everybody else can become. But you have to be that light that shines and says, look, you know, I'm ready to make some of these changes happen here because I understand how hard it is, you know, when you get to college and when you get to the real world. And if we aren't preparing our students for the real world, we're really, we have graduation rate, yeah, 100%. How many people go to, you know, community colleges um, and then have to transfer how many how many kids don't even get through their freshman year and they have to drop out due to you know family reasons like why are we not tapping in on those kids because why does learning stop at 12th grade why does learning stop at the bell at 3 30 at 4 o'clock at 2 15 whenever you're let out of school you know um and i feel like coming from camden you know, it, there's a danger to living in Camden because we can lose some of our kids to gun violence, uh, drugs, addictions, you know, violence just amongst themselves. So it's a lot of things, especially with the world of social media, it's so many things that pull our kids once we, once they leave at 3.30 or at 4 o'clock that we need to be like checking on our kids constantly. You know, we sometimes we spend more time with our kids during the day than their parents will. Yeah. You know, And it's just like if we aren't, giving them what they need. I'm pretty sure when they get home, they aren't getting what they need. So there needs to be some type of balance and some type of communication to say, yes, you know, I went here. Let me help try to see what I could do to make this world better or make this school into a better place. So that's just basically what I want to do. And I still try to do that to this day, especially looking at what Reynolds has done uh, for me and then being like, I want to be that for a student. I want a student to come to me and put it on the line and I want to see their success. And I want to know that it was driven by what I do, what I did for them in the classroom. Do you, do you get a lot of pushback, you know, from your former teachers, you know, when you try to say, Hey, this is my perspective or this is my experience. Um, I mean, cause it, it feels like to me having taught in Texas and Wisconsin, that it's just, everything is so ingrained and there's such this mentality of that's the way we've always done it. That yeah. I wonder, especially in your spot, if you, like you said, do they see you as just like, Oh, that's smalls. That's the kid that came through high school. Not that long ago. Yeah. That's, and that's basically what it is because when you, when you get there, they're kind of skeptical, but when they see you pushing the envelope, like when they see you doing stuff that they've been here for 10 years and they didn't even think of, or they might've thought about it, but they didn't want to push the envelope because they didn't feel like anybody was going to back them. Or they felt like, you know, we're 10 years. We, we've been here for a long time. You know, it's going to take a long time for us to get fired. So let's just do what we've been doing. You know what I mean? And then when you're young and you're fresh out of college and you see what other schools and other people are doing, you're like, come on. And when you attend these conferences, like the one that I attended, it's just like, we need to push. We to push and really be better for our students. Like it's bigger than the staff. It's about the students because the students are a reflection of what happens in, during the school day or what happens during the school year. So if, you know, we aren't being the best we could be, how can we expect our kids to be great? And I think that's important because a, a lot of times we talk about so much about teachers, 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 but at the end of the day, we are developing these kids into adults. And if we aren't pushing the envelope, then we aren't bettering ourselves. And I think once you start speaking like that, people don't want to hear it because they're just like, well, am I a bad teacher? Because I, I've been here for 10 oh, years and I'm doing that. So maybe I'm not a good teacher. Is he trying to say I'm not a bad? So it's just like they turn you into the bad guy when in reality, I'm just trying to unite us and change some things. And I think the word change scares people. You know, they want to do it on their own. They want to adapt. All right. So they they rather use adapt versus change because adapt means, you know, it's a continuum. We are adapting and we are we're we're changing our aspect or our outlook on life as we go versus just like, come on, bro, we need change. That's really yeah. what we need. So stop beating around the bush. Understand that some of the rules that you have, 
um, in your handbook or in your manual or up on the wall are not really fostering great kids. They're not, you know, and that's what that's what it is. Then it becomes a whole disciplinary issue rather than work with the bad kids. And I, I love working with the bad kids because through those bad kids, we aren't teaching them how to deal with their emotions. We're rather just say, OK, you know, they're bad suspend them. But my thing, especially coming from Camden, you suspend these kids. Then when their parents are at work, what are they doing? You know, playing Fortnite? No, on the corner. You get what I'm saying? Like, and then they wonder why kids join gangs and the bad kids are, you know, going against everybody else in the school system. It's because they feel like nobody cares for, about them. And when I'm seen as a bad kid, things are being taken away from me versus things putting in putting into being into perspective of like, okay, you do this. Okay, I see you doing good. Like shine light on some of the good things that they do. So that way they don't always know I'm a bad kid. So I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start believing what they tell me. I'm a bad kid. I'm not gonna go to college. I'm just gonna be home. I'm, you know, just another black kid from Camden. I'm just a stereotype. And when they start embedding that into their mind, they become what you constantly tell them. Oh, you don't do your work. You're lazy. You get what I'm saying? You're not trying. I'm not helping you. You know, I've been over there five times. You're still doing the same thing. Stop talking. And that's they become what you feed because that's what they constantly mm -hmm. over and over again. Yeah. So it's like changing that perspective. Man, and, I, and I'm not saying that I've never done it, but why do you think it is that when you approach people with the word change, whatever, adapt, whatever word you want to, why, why do you think it becomes personal so easily? Because it's like, it really shouldn't be. It's, it's us all trying to come together to do what's right for kids. But why do you think it is that teachers, it seems like, want to make it about themselves? I think it scares them. It's, it's this scare. It's this mechanism, you know. Like you know how people get defensive. They just get like, "What am I not doing right? This kid's trying to come and take my job, and that's what it's been. It's been like they're they're scared that they're going to lose their job to somebody else, or you know, the higher up or the principal is now going to look to the other, the young person trying to make moves versus the person that's been here. And everybody starts to get, you know, think that they can't they can't be replaced and then when you come shaking it up it's like oh my god I'm trying to save my job you know I got kids to feed I got you know mortgage and things like that so they become to they they be they begin to feel fearful and it's just like why and defensive it's just like I came here to work with you not once did I say you know I'm going to make sure you lose your job I'm going to make sure you are beneath me it's like I came to work with you I came to be up for everyone to be on the same page because that was you know, what I went to school to learn about. And that's what I was learning about. But everybody wants to feel like they're important, right. you know, and that's the thing when you don't want to collaborate with other people, you see it all the time, even in the real world, a lot of people don't want others to shine over top of them, or we put someone else against each other, or we'll be like this one celebrity to this celebrity or this, you know, higher up to this higher up, everybody feels like they have to compete, especially right. in the black community, you know, every, you know, organization or something, the token black guy, you know, and then when another black guy comes in, they feel like they don't want to get to know that black guy because they feel like they're going to steal their job and be the next token black guy. So it's like when you don't see more people like yourself, and that's something I try to explain to my kids, like instead of trying to compete with the next person in the classroom or who's the smartest, collaborate and work together. There can always be five uh, smart kids in the classroom, 100, everybody. I, I would want all 22 students in the classroom to be the smartest, you know, but it's that whole competition that you see all the time. We want to compete against each other. Who's better than who? Who's better than, than you in baseball and basketball? We see that competition. You know, yeah. it's always somebody trying to break somebody else's record. Mm -hmm. well, and, and 
my buddy and I that I normally do the podcast with, he's actually doing his after school program tonight. Like he talks about like when you have a culture like that where the teachers are defensive, there's no way it doesn't become pervasive in the classroom. And like the kids feel that, like the kids feel that energy. If you're a teacher and you're defensive and you're trying to protect what you got, like kids feel that, like kids pick up on the energy that a teacher gives. Yeah. So I'm, um, I'm interested. So Camden is Camden a primarily African-American city? Well, it's African-Americans. We have Latinos, you know, maybe like a couple uh, Caucasians, not that many. I know when I was in high school, we had one. Um, but for the most part, it was big. And now that our demographics are changing, especially at our school, we have more Hispanics because the environment is changing. So we have more Hispanic kids versus blacks. When, we, when I went there, it was, a, you know, it was equal um, between the Hispanics and the blacks. But you can slowly see the shift to more Hispanics. But majority of Camden is made up of blacks and Hispanics. Um why is there a shift between uh for more hispanics in the camp? i think i think it's the uh the neighborhood we live in is kramer hill so in that area there's a, a a lot more hispanics that have been moving to that area as you know blacks maybe move on the outskirts of the area and stuff like that even though they're still in camden city uh i just think around in that area we have a huge population of hispanics so when they are in that area they foster into our school district because they go to that school in that area. So as they fostered in, we began to figure out, you know, how do we combat that issue of ELL and, you know, um, just trying to help kids who might, whose Spanish might be their first language. Right. That's also been a major issue at the school too. You know, they tried to do merit pay to help um, teachers try to learn on Rosetta Stone, try to learn Spanish, just whatever they can help the kids and stuff like that, or hiring more receptionists that speak Spanish. Um, so you can see that shift and what they're doing to try to combat that issue. Yeah. So kind of coming back to your experience as a student at your school in Camden and, and understanding that community, how do you think that gives you like you said, that perspective to understand what the kids are going through. Because I, I know for me, growing up small town, Wisconsin, my first job was in Houston in, in you know, one of the, not what would be considered inner city Houston, but in, in one of the low income urban areas of Houston. And it was such, I mean, it took me four years to like really understand like the culture and the dynamics of not just, you know, the primarily Hispanic people but you know like what low-income families go through so do you think that helps you kind of identify those needs in your kids that that often get in the way of of them being academically successful yes it does I highly believe that is because just coming from Camden being born and raised in Camden you have a different understanding of what the home life that these kids go home to you know you might be a teacher, but you might go home to your nice neighborhood and you're not, but these kids, to me, I always tell them it's harder to get to school than to be in school. And I feel like that's important because just walking to school, anything, you know, riding the bus, dealing with situations that you deal with outside of school and then trying to come to school and learn. Um, so I've always been trying to push, like I've been here, 
you know, I, I let the students know that off that because a lot of times they will try you, they'll try you, they'll try you. But I let them know, like, I, I sat here and you got, you have to be real. It's a different element that you bring to an inner city kid than you would anywhere else. It's that tough exterior that you have to break. Um, and you break that by showing compassion because you don't get a lot of, a pa of compassion. They want you to be tough. Even the girls, they want you to be tough. You know, they want you to be hard for your neighborhood. You know, they, they want you to constantly, it's like, what, what do I have to give? What do I have to give? And it's just like, when you walk into my classroom, that's enough. You are who you are, and I'm accepting you how you are. And, and they just want to be loved. And I feel like that's something that's very important. A lot of kids just want to be loved. And they just don't know how to do that. So they turn to anger to take their rage and be like, okay, I'm going to let you cool off. I'm going to give you five minutes. You got to turn it into a joke. A lot of times I, I play around with my kids just because I want to let them know, like, yes, you need to know what you need to know, but at the same time, it's okay to be yourself, to express yourself, to be open. Because if you aren't allowing students to be open, you aren't going to get that 100% from that student. They might give you 20, some might give you 50, some might give you 85, all right? Some might give you 95, but I want that 400. I want, I want you to be able to be open, to not hold anything back, you know, to, to share with us some of your strengths, some of your weaknesses, something that you might find that's challenging. And I feel like being and coming from Camden, kids don't have that. So they hold all that in, bottle it up, it turns into anger. It turns into like loneliness. It turns into, you know, rage. So you have to build out on that. Mm. So in those situations, what advice what advice would you give a teacher? Say, say, say it was me. Say I was coming from my upbringing in Wisconsin and I was teaching starting out in Camden or Philly, New York, Houston, whichever major city you would want. What, what advice would you give me on how to show compassion to these kids when I've never experienced any even remote degree to what they've dealt with? Um, I would say find out what they like. A lot of times um, I do after school, so I know. So that's also another push for me um, is because I do after school. But a lot of times I look at the after school program log and I'll say, okay, is such and such going to biking? Okay, cool. So I figure out what they like. Um, and I feel like that's important. We have conversations at the end of class to figure out, even start small. Oh, uh, what's your favorite food? Oh, you like mangoes? Oh, come on, bro. I love mangoes. Like stuff like that. Um, developing different connections with different students because every child is going to be different. Um, I would say going to their events that they have. I know that might require, but I love doing that. They got the basketball game. Just showing that you're, it's more than just being in the classroom. You know, shining the light. You know, I read a good paper by such and such this week. I wanted to share a couple words about what she wrote about, like, and just highlighting them students in their classroom. I think that too is going to help you be a better teacher, especially in their inner city area. You know, um, just finding things that are bridge that gap and connect you with that student. Like something funny. Oh, did anybody see, uh, you know, uh, might be a TV show that's on. Oh, yeah, yeah, we watched that. All right, watch this show and let's talk about it. Bring it in and we'll talk about it. Throwing some like funny things that they like, maybe something about Fortnite into the quiz, into the test, and then starting a conversation up like that. I think it's important to bring real life situations. Talk about real things that are going on in the world. Get advice and not if you don't want to get advice. Like, see, how do, you, how do you feel about this? And I always ask that. What drives you? 
And I feel like that's important for my kids in the classroom because I want all of them to be good at something. I said, you might not be the best writer, but are you good in math? You might not be the best speller, but can you answer this? It's always having a backup. And I feel like, you know, I, I don't always push school on my kids, especially when I did high school, because not everybody. So I'm not going to say college was the best, but if you have a trade and if you're good at something, maybe you want to run a business, you know, be and be in Excel. If you're not going to be good at something, you know, and I, I just always try to push that because especially with kids in Camden, they might, they might want to take over their dad's corner store or they might want to take over their family business and stuff like that. And that might not be a desire for them to go to college, but I just want them to be successful in with whatever they choose to be. So it's just finding those things. So once you, once you kind of identify those things, not, you know, you, you've kind of made that connection on, you know, kind of stuff that's surface level, how do you then kind of take it the next steps deeper and really help them find their passions and really bring, bring like you said, bring out the gifts that they have? Because I, like, I believe everybody is good at something and can be great at something and can do something that makes them happy. So how do you work with those kids and you know, not so much like once you've got it, but how do you, how do you, I mean, I think teachers know you got to try to relate to kids, but how do you take it that next step to really get them to show you and, and really be able to, to help them draw those things out? Yeah. So I, I like to share things with my kids. I never go too personal, but I like to let them know, okay, you're sharing with me. I'm going to share with you as well. So, you know, I always end up talking about my dog in class, in the classroom, or, you know, I have my whole, uh, educational fellows page on Instagram. So I'll, they'll, a lot of my students follow me on, see that you're more than just a teacher. They want to see like a peek into some of the things that you do, some of the things that you enjoy. So I always like to have conversations with them. And then a lot of times they end up coming to me like, Mrs. Rawls, I want to talk to you real quick. And sometimes it really is personal, but I like that because I felt like I broke that ground because I they see that I'm not always coming to them and asking them stuff that I'm really sitting down and I'm sharing, you know, some things with them about how I feel, you know, maybe it might be how I'm feeling that day. We might go around and a couple people share how they feel, or it might be something that a couple people come up to me at the end of the day and we just start talking. And then from there, they'd be like, Oh, you know, like Mr. Smalls. And then it's really just, it's really just a following. Like if one kid sees that, you know, they're hanging with, you know, Mr. Smalls, then the other kid would be like, dang, how do I do that? How do I do that? How do I get that? Right. So it's like once you get one good kid, you know, then everybody else will want to sit by your desk because that's what basically happens. So, you know, I have two kids that are in my drama program at the end of the day and they always come up to me and they always want to grade and help out. And then it just started to, you know, overflow into other kids who wanted to do it too. And if they see it, they're like, you always got these students. What about us? So that's how it overflows and it overflows. And then you end up having kids outside of school, um, outside of the classroom that are not in your room. Like, Oh man, Mr. Smalls is so cool. How could we get in? You know, how could we, right. you know, talk to Mr. Smalls and hang out with Mr. Smalls? And then it just is like, come to my after school program, hang out there and yeah. build those connections. And then they see that they can come to you. They see one student talking to you, then they'll come to you and then they'll just start sharing off the bat. But it's just like, once you go, you take that step further and you, you be open and transparent with your kids reality of the world I don't I try not even my fifth grade I try not to sugarcoat anything you know the world's hard you think they're going to be nice to you they're not there nobody's when you get to college is putting 50s in the grade book you didn't do it it's a zero you know this is real world nobody's going to care for you unless you care about yourself first and that's honestly what I tell my kids and you know kind of one more on the on the kind of pedag pedagogy side 
you know, so you, so you've got these good relationships with kids, but inevitably one of them is going to do something that's, you know, crosses the line. So how do you both kind of set boundaries with, with your kids and, you know, and enforce them, meaning kind of like, how do you, how do you work with kids, you know, to set the boundaries and when a kid crosses the boundary, how do you work with that kid to kind of bring them back? Perfect. This with my, um, with some of my kids actually this week. Um, So basically what I do is I, I don't, I don't wait for them to come to me. Once I find out the issue where I know it is, I go to them, you know, and I always try to do it secluded away from everybody else. So it's just like us having a one-on-one. And I'm just like, as real as I am with you on any other occasion, I'm going to be real with you now. I didn't appreciate this. You know, I feel like we're, we're building something. But at the same time, if I feel like, you know, I'm being taken advantage of, you know, I don't have no problem with us going back to just being, hey, Mr. Smalls, and keeping it moving. You know, I feel like this is a privilege for us to communicate on a different level. And if I feel like that's in some way or form disrespectful, you know, we're not going to have that same type of rapport when I see you. And the kids are always feel like, well, dang, I don't want to mess this up with Mr. Smalls. You know, I don't want to ruin, you know, a, a good connection I have with this teacher. You know, and I always let them know, like, yeah, we'll joke around. I tell them that all the time. Well, I can joke around with you, but when it's time to be serious, I expect you to be serious. If you can't do that, then we cannot joke around because then I know that you can't be serious when you need to be because you want to be a jokester. So then you can be a jokester the whole time, but uninvolve me and I wash my hands with it. But at the same time, it's never happened where a kid's like, oh, well, okay, blah, blah, I've been done. They might say that, but then they'll come back next day and be a completely different person and like Mr. Smalls I really um I didn't really I wasn't really feeling what you were saying yesterday but I went home and now you know I'm in just in a different place and now I understand what you're saying so and I I like that because it never gets that far where I end up not bonding with that kid and it actually makes the bond because they know that they made a mistake and they know that I'm serious about what I say and then they won't do the same mistake again but then it turns into being like okay shit with me but then they go to the next teacher and it's a completely different you know chaotic situation and then the teacher's coming to me like you know mrs Smalls, you have this good connection can you talk to this student and i'm just like if every teacher could be on the same level then we wouldn't have because a, a student realizes who they can play with and who they can't oh so they, yeah. they'll you know they'll be real with me i can't stand it it's like but they'll bring the situation to me like and i'll just be like look you're not gonna like everybody, but you shouldn't treat your teacher like this just because you don't like them. So it, right. it becomes a different situation. But when they know they can be our students once they come to me about another teacher or they to be real with me, then I'm just like, okay, they trust me. and that's how I know to build that, that bridge. Right. Man, that's so good. I mean, that's such good advice for, you know, for any teacher. I mean, because like you you were saying it earlier, and it's, it spoke to me, like, the more rules you have listed on a sheet or on a wall, your kids are just going to find loopholes around them, and they're going to find ways to skirt them. So, like, I, I think it's that relationship piece is, is super important. So, a couple questions we like to ask everybody to kind of wrap up the uh the podcast and the first one is you know what is something that's unique to you that you really enjoy sharing like a a gift that you have that's unique to you that you really enjoy sharing with your kids so um i this program called dramatic academy in 2014 when i first um at my school and 
that was something that out of just an idea that I had in my mind and to think all the way down the line to 2014, 2019, now where we are right now, and to see that these kids are, you know, basically on a waiting list to join, to join. And that was something I just wanted the free space for students to express themselves. So I created Dramatic Academy. It's a performing arts program after school and kids come, you know, like we perform pieces. We try to do it all, embed arts, uh, dance, um, singing, just a just a platform, different things in the arts field that students don't normally get throughout the day, and embed that in there. We tried it. Any Raleigh we have, I'm like, okay, can Dramatic Academy perform? And I felt like I wanted to create a chant, and it just it it seems like it has become a family, because the kids will be like down the hallway screaming the chant, and you know, like if you're not in DA, you don't know what you're missing. It's just you create your own fan base, and I think the kids and people are always like, okay, you know, when can I join? When are the auditions and stuff like that? And then right now, it used to be a high school thing, but this year I tried it for middle school, and it just picked up to like 43 nice. kids, nice. and then 20 kids in high school. So in turn, I wanted to make that program, which is something that I'm doing for the first time through my school, is basically uniting the middle school and high school, which is something they never wanted to do because of all the issues that could come with a high schooler and a middle schooler and things like that. And I'm just like, we haven't, we can't be scared to unite, to, to unite something that, you know, makes us who we are. Like you built the whole school, a network, you got a middle school, a high school and a elementary um, all the way down to pre-K. So why aren't we doing anything to bridge that gap and let us see like, yes, we're connected. So I tried to do middle school and high school. We have a show coming up, um, which is our first show that's going to unite middle school and high school. I have uh, middle school dancers dancing with high school seniors and it's just it became a mentorship that blossomed out of nowhere you know my sister did it back in 2014 so now that she'll come she always comes back as an alumni and I get her dramatic academy alumni shirt so it just shows growth it was like our own network we were we were bridging and it started from nothing and I, I constantly I always think about that when I spent countless nights thinking is this going to work it's going to work mm -hmm. and it just something that I, I just can't believe. So I'm just excited to unite middle school and high school and just show the school that this could be done. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to uh, have to have you back on again because my, yeah. my partner, Wilkie, he, has a, he just started this year an after-school program called the Music and Arts Collective. What? So he has kids in there doing like every different form of art, like creating their own content, whether it's music, like producing art, oh, visual yeah. art, photography. And, and he said the kind of the same thing this year is just that he's, you know, it's like the first year and he's got still like 20 or 25 kids, but you know, they're hit and mitt. And he just is like, I would love for you to talk to him and kind of give him like that. Oh, that, that, that would be like, great. Like, yo man, yeah. you got to keep going. Cause it's a, it's a super, super cool program and 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 the other thing is he opened up a school this year so they open up the program in a school that just opened so there's just so much change going on but but it's it's a really cool program he's doing awesome with it so all right second to last question what is one thing you think every kid should be taught love compassion i think that that's important because once you got that a lot of times kids don't Kids go off of what they see. And a lot of times I always deal with conversations with my kids about bullying. 
I mean, even they don't even realize that they're doing it. You know, it starts off talking about somebody, but they don't have compassion to think about anybody else. And I feel like if you're showing them love, if you're showing them compassion, then they'll know how to care for others. Yes, we're in school and we're supposed to be teaching them A, B, C, and D and how to divide this from that. But it starts with love because once you get love from a teacher, then you'll be, you'll want to do your work. You'll want to grow. You'll want to come to class every day. Like what's, what's my, oh, if I'm out, you know, kids are like, oh my God, we had this sub today. We're all you Mr. Smalls, they'll, they'll write to you. But it's because you walk into that room and you own it and you show them if nobody else is going to love you outside this room, I'm going to love you. And no matter what, I'm going to be there. And one, they'll, they'll want to learn because they don't to turn from inner city you have that so many so many teachers up and leave you know so many teachers you know don't show that compassion but they want you to do this work do this work so that way they look bored or to the principal but they don't want to really grow and foster connections with their kids it starts there you have to show love and you have to show compassion in order to get your kids to be on the right path to come to school to learn what they need to learn and to balance their school life with their extracurricular activities that's what it is. Hmm. Yeah, great answer. So, all right, before we get you out of here with the last question, uh, people that want to connect with you, follow you, where can they find you online? You can find me on, on Instagram, but they're trying to get me to do a whole YouTube. Um, but you can find me online uh, at, uh, on Instagram at educational underscore fellow. That's where I keep all of my work or all my students. I try to make that page more about my kids versus me. So you'll see a lot interacting with my kids. A lot of times I try to spotlight my kids because that's important. These are the kids that's learning and I want to show them. Uh, share this with your parents. Let your parents see what you're doing in the classroom today. Speak up. Um, read with expression. All those, try, all those things that they're going to need to know in the future, be confident within yourself. So you can reach me there. Um, I also am Educational Fellow on Twitter. But YouTube will be coming soon. It'll be the same thing, Educational Fellow. Just more insight into what I do, more advice on how to handle crazy classrooms working in the inner city. So, perfect. Perfect. All right, man. Well, thank you, man. I, I like. I super appreciate this conversation. Like I said, we're gonna have to have you back on when I can get Wilkie and kind of bring that perspective. But uh, final question: When it's all said and done, your career is over. What do you want your legacy to be? I want my legacy that I inspired a whole bunch of kids to be great. I inspired people even after I'm automatically know, like you must've been taught by Mr. Smalls. Like it, it, just to have that effect on a person and just mm -hmm. be like, not even know them like that, but hear them speak and hear some of the things that they think about and just be like, was Mr. Smalls your teacher? Or, or just to change the way people think about the educational system and how people treat the kids in the inner city. Um, I think that's something, that's a legacy that I want to continue to build and continue to grow. And then when I'm gone, you know, have things written about me, have books written about me, have lectures mm -hmm. that people are, I just want to have a big impact that further down the line, people are like Mr. Smalls and off the bat, people already know who that is. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a legacy who wouldn't want anybody. A school. Give me a school named after myself. Give me. Hey, man. You know? We're, we're on board. We'll do whatever we can help. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll, someday we'll point back and I'll say, yep, that's uh, had him. We had him on our podcast. Had him first. Had him first. All right, man. Appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming on our podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you. Can't wait to be back.
Thanks for checking out this episode of the Value Adds Value podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and along with Wilkie, we're um, so honored that you would take the time to listen to our podcast, to hear stories of teachers, and to be inspired with us by all the great things that are going on in education. Man, Donovan is such a good dude, uh, such a fun podcast. Definitely going to have him on again soon. Um, but if you want to support us, if you could do us just a small favor, um, leave us a review and rating on iTunes if that's where you're listening. Um, subscribe and help us get this thing out to more people. A um, couple things we've got going on. We're going to be a part of the Teach with Tech conference this summer, which will be an online uh, conference um, in which I'm going to be presenting a session on how to use podcasts in your classroom. We're also going to be a part of the Educators to Educators conference. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later. And I'm also going to be in Milwaukee at the Spark conference. So my Wisconsin, Southern Wisconsin area teachers out there would love to meet up with you at Spark. But like we said, thank you for listening to the podcast, uh, supporting us, and uh, being in this profession with us. So we'll talk to you again soon.